You're listening to Cary Live, Work, Play, the podcast that tells the stories of the people who make the town of Cary such a great place to live, work, and play. I'm Mike Maniscalco of your Carolina Hurricanes, and if there are two guys who absolutely should spend more than five minutes in the penalty box, it's your hosts, Wayne Holt and Adam Ashpaw. Welcome back to Cary Live, Work, Play, our second part of our two-part interview with council member Lori Bush. Lots more information coming your way. So I'm going to step out of the way and let Wayne take it on from here. So, um, so let's get into, uh, to the meat of, uh, of housing affordability. Yeah. And specifically the 921 Maynard Mm -hmm. project in partnership with Laurel street. The public hearing was last night. And again, if you want to see that, you can go to the town of, uh, Carrie's, uh, portal on YouTube and watch that entire meeting, uh, but specifically the the public hearing and the, the part where you guys talk about your feelings and the thoughts. And I thought I thought it was a good meeting, and I thought the comments at the end were fantastic, and everybody put forth ideas. But uh, that's been, for lack of a better word, that's been your baby. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell us a little bit about how that started, uh, the search for the land, coming up with that parcel, and uh, and I'll just go and say up front, uh, I think it is the most incredible place in the town of Cary we could possibly put that. Oh, thanks. I, I'm when you with can it too. walk to three schools, groceries, uh, transit. It's just amazing mm-hmm. when you look at. Um, and, I, and I saw something this morning. I subscribed to a commercial real estate site and got an email this morning that uh, a new tower is opening up in New York City where there are 400. Uh, affordable units in a building where there are going to be uh, condominiums from 875,000 to $5 million. Wow. So these are below market rate, um, which is kind of what this is. So tell us a little bit about how you got started and where it's at today and, um, you know, just background on the project. Okay. Well, uh, it really started in 2016. And I know that people that are listening said, wait, it's taken you five to six years to do this project. Government moves slowly. (laughs) Um, But in 2016, I was part of the Wake County um, Affordable Housing Task Force. And as we met for, gosh, more than a year and came up with our final report. And part of what came out of that is ideas, you know, ideas that, that weren't brand new, right? Um, Granny flats or ADUs. I mean, that had been around for a long time, but it came up with a list of options and things that municipalities could do to address affordable housing. And one of those was looking at at surplus land. And so I asked staff one time, you know, I'm sure we own land. I know we own park land. Do we have this surplus land? They said, well, you know, we do preemptively buy land like when we know we're going to need a water tower we know we're going to need a fire station right we do that from time to time in certain areas and then we find maybe a better piece of land so yes we do cool can you get me a list and up popped this five acre site behind ollie's right in dairy queen um that's also you know in between that and east Cary middle school it was five acres i said are we are we using that i said well actually no you know we bought it for a water tower but we rehabilitated the, you know, Cary High School water tower, which is what we call that one, and then also put one on Kilmaine. Right. So we actually don't need that land anymore. What do we do? We so we don't have any plans for it. No. Well, hey, did you? <laughs> we have these recommendations. How, how about we put some affordable housing there? Well, we generally don't 
do that, right? We don't build affordable housing. We, we get money so that other people can build. Well, what would it look like if we did? Um, they said, well, you know, let us go do some research into that. I said, okay. And as I was looking at it, at the exact same time, um, Chairwoman Monica Johnson uh, of the school board had just brought up for consideration surplusing yeah. two acres on the back end of East Cary Middle School. And I had met with them and told them, hey, if you're not using any of that land. So they were going through the process of surplusing that land. I said, what would it look like if we could use that extra two acres? Because if we had five plus two, we have seven acre property for affordable housing. We can do so much more. So that whole process to buy those two acres took us a year. Right. Because government. Gotta go through the process. Yeah, gotta go through the process. Everything's in the open, transparency, right. So um, then we did an RFP process. We had, uh, I don't know if it's three or five um, companies um, give us their ideas for what we could do. And of course we had some um, ideas and suggestions. At first we really wanted to do a mixed bag of homeownership and apartments combination because homeownership actually creates generational wealth and right. that's really what you want but none of the rfps came in with that um and in fact you know habitat didn't you know the people who do home ownership mostly habitat uh don't have a rental program they've done a couple of partnerships but it's not something they do all the time um you know, DHIC, Evergreen, you know, the standard people who do this sort of thing and use uh, LIHTC funding, um, which is uh, government funding for low-income housing. And we picked what we thought was the best. The great thing about Laurel Street's proposal, and we can go into the location, which you, I agree, is stellar, is this idea of mixed income, I think, is a, a great opportunity for sustainability because the problem, <clears throat> excuse me, with affordable housing when it's sponsored by a municipality or some government is you have to continue to invest in it. You, you have to continue to put more money for maintenance, for whatever it is. And with the mixed income housing, the, the at market rates basically help subsidize the entire project. Right. Right. And it's a not-for-profit. Uh, Laurel Street is also a minority women-owned company, so it checks a lot of boxes. And uh, the owner is actually a former builder from, I think, MI Homes. Okay. So it's someone that knows, and, and it's a group of someone's who know this and have been doing it for a long time. I've researched Laurel and, and the project over the... Um... And not just for this podcast and not just for having Morgan on last week. Um, I've been following it for a little while. Mm -hmm. um, and honestly, I, I guess I really dug in when the first neighborhood meeting was held, I believe, back in January. Mm -hmm. And I say dug in, I dug in with, with my following and wanted to, to see what was happening. And I think the reason I dug in was because um, of social media and the comments that came out of that neighborhood meeting by some of the folks uh, who live nearby. And some of those same people I had seen on social media in times prior to that, making comments because I'm a builder and you know, I admittedly, I buy houses in downtown Cary. I knock them down and I build new houses. So I have been attacked by some for taking away 
uh, affordable housing down here. Right. Full disclosure. I have one of those houses and I love it. You do. You have a house that I built. Um, and I, and I, and I knocked down a house to put the house up in the houses where you are. So I've taken, um, I take a hit and I take it often. Um, and as long as people don't personally attack me, I'm okay with it. They have a right to, to their, to their opinions and, and what, how they feel. But I really dialed in on it because some of the folks that made the comments um, about not wanting that project, there were also people who had made comments about we need housing affordability in downtown Cary, in Cary in general. Um, but then they have what we call a NIMBY, not in my backyard. And I really dialed in on it. So I've been, I've been paying a lot of attention to it. Last night at the public hearing, there were, I don't remember how many speakers, eight to 10 speakers. And I think there were a few more in favor of the project and there were against the project. Um, but I thought at the end, each of the council members addressed very eloquently the concerns. There were a lot of great concerns raised by those people and against those two neighborhood meetings. Um, there were incredible concerns addressed uh, by the council when they were given the comments. So again, because this has been something that you've watched and, and nurtured from the beginning to, to now, and it's not a done deal. It's still got to get rezoned and then it's got to go, you know, site plan approval and all the other things that any other developer would, would have to do. It's just the town owns its property, uh, which I think is um, unique. Mm-hmm. Um, but a little bit of background on this is that some of the units are going to be at market rate. It's half, half of market rate right. and half of them at um, workforce rate. Is that right? How- so, so what we call um, uh, under 80% AMI. And what that means is today in Cary, the average median income, which is what AMI stands for, is $107,000. That's okay. the Cary AMI, the Cary average median income. And so 80% AMI is, and I actually had to double check and make sure I did my math, right? It's, it's $86,000, okay. right? So we're going to be targeting um, incomes at the 50 to 80% AMI, which is about 54000 to 86000 Which directly goes to that, and you, and you hear it all the time when, when, when people are talking about we need housing that our workforce, meaning or the people that take care of us, uh, the firefighters, the police officers, School the teachers, teachers uh, the retail workers, uh, the restaurant workers, all of those folks. Um, and, and at that 50,000-ish range, uh, mm-hmm. we, we get there. Yeah, well, I mean, to bring it closer to home, our police officer starting salary, minimum starting salary in the town of Cary is $52,000. Right, so it's right on the money. Mm-hmm. So I'm leading to a point that um, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine down here who is a firefighter. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I was talking about the project with him, he immediately went, we don't need section eight housing. We don't need this. We don't need that. And I think that again, we go back to education. This is not section eight housing. No, it is not. Um, but I think when people hear the word affordable, that's where they go. And maybe at some point in their life, they've, you know, especially if you are, have been a firefighter or a police officer, you have probably had a call to Section 8 housing. And, uh, you know, Section 8 housing is a need. And there's certainly a need for that in our country as well. But when we hear those words and someone, this is someone who um, 
is in the know, meaning he's, he's, he's educated. Um, he is in tune, mm -hmm. but he immediately went there. Yeah. You know, that is a really good point. We, we spent, um, at the Wake County Affordable Housing Task Force, we spent a full day talking about the term. Yeah. We tried to switch the term to housing affordability, put it at the end. Right. We called it workforce housing, right? We called it everything. The thing is, it's hard to get past someone's preconceived notion of what it means. Right. You know, look, I, I've lived in affordable housing. Um, my, you know, my kids graduated from college and they had a hard time finding housing, you know, and they're college educated, right? It's that the, you know, their NPR did a great job of talking about how we got into this housing crisis. Uh, I read the article. It, yep. it was great. And it talked about so many things that we can't go back and fix right now. We can't. We and can this is something that's new. This goes back 13, 14 years yeah, exactly. in, in, in the Great Recession. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So what we need to do, we can address, we can spend a, a lot of time educating people on the terminology. Or we can switch it. We can just, instead of talking and calling it affordable housing, we just call it, you know, housing and finding places for our essential workers to live. Right. And, I, and that was the comment I made last night is we... We cared so much two years ago about essential workers. Absolutely. You know, my daughter one day called me and said, every night at seven o'clock, she lives in New York City, um, everybody got out their windows and clapped as the hospital workers were leaving work. That's pretty cool. Right. Um, knowing full well that these were the people who were putting their lives on the line for us. And also knowing full well that they don't make enough. Right. right? And the housing is also too expensive. So, look, it's it's hard to catch up. And we care deeply. And I say cared in the past tense because we did a lot. And we then when we have this conversation right now, we seem to not care as much. We seem to say we put them in a box, right? And and firefighters, um, you know, police officers, you know, people who are stocking the shelves, people who are making our meals, right? They deserve quality housing as much as I do. And that's one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about this is because we need to give them the same amount of respect and honor and love that we did during a pandemic that we should do now. And that's what, what I think we should focus on. Totally agree with you. And when you made that comment, it took me back to 9-11 uh, and how the country rallied together that it didn't matter who you were, what you were, uh, color, uh, political affiliate, it didn't matter. We rallied together as a country because we'd been attacked by an outsider. Right. Here we are, fast forward to 21 years, and it's not so much. We have short memories. Same thing's happening with, um, as you just said, two years ago in the, in, in the, in the height of COVID, it was all about the essential workers and you know you could walk into a restaurant in a uniform a firefighter whatever any of that and get a free meal you could get we wanted to take care of those people right and today we have two neighborhood public hearings and they get upset because those are the people that we want to put then i don't think that i don't think they mean it that we don't want a policeman or a firefighter around the corner it goes back to the word we use to describe the type of housing we're putting there and the lack of education uh, and thinking that it's going to be 
a low income section eight versus what it actually is. A um, lot we've got, we meaning as society have uh, our work cut out for us to educate uh, and, and to get this built. Mm-hmm. It's a long process. It's going to, it's going to take a lot of time. It, it is. And it's also going to take um, a lot of people to continue to support it. You know, 10 years ago when I first started talking about housing affordability, um, it was on the top 10 list of what people cared about. Mm-hmm. It came up on our biennial surveys. Mm-hmm. You know, about five years later, it was in the top five. And then in the last few years, it's now the top three. I was going to say it's right now, It's it's got to be in the top one or two. I mean, here's the way I see it. Uh, you've got the tree canopy, you've got stormwater, and you've got uh, affordable housing, and they can land one, two, or three on any given day, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't, I've not read that report. That's just how I see it. Well, um, that's actually statistically accurate because yeah. we do a biennial survey right. every other year. And, you know, housing affordability has climbed up the list of what people care about. And so, look, it's happened at the same time as uh, the pandemic. It's also happened at the same time as the housing crisis right. increases. Um, it also happens to be when the boomers' kids are are leaving the nest yeah. and trying to find a place to live. You know, please get out. Oh, I can't find anything. You know, right. I went online before the meeting to look and see what the average rental prices. I couldn't find any one bedroom that wasn't sharing with someone um, under $1,200. Yeah. Right. So for $1,200, you have to work 85 hours a week at minimum wage to afford that. Right. As a single person. So yeah, it, it's, it, it is tough. I'm not saying that we shouldn't have market rate housing, right? The market is the market is the market, right. but we need to do something to jump in and help and save some folks. Yeah. And I thought Mayor Weinberg last night, uh, as he was after the public hearing ended and he was the first one to make comments, mm-hmm. uh, really gave a great, uh, overview of what the council legally can and can't yeah. do. Um, you know, there were comments about, uh, without calling any specific names of developers down here, cause the, the commenter didn't call names, but talked about all the development that's going on in downtown. Why are they not making those developers add workforce housing or um uh green rooftops you know mm-hmm. all those type things because you can't right legally can't not you in can't. the state of north carolina it's, except it, for if in chapel hill that has inclusionary zoning uh, has the right to do inclusionary zoning there are a couple of municipalities that can but but no we can't in the town of Cary. i will say to give a huge nod to the development community you know recently it's about partnership and yeah. the some of the developers, some of the last two apartment buildings that came in, uh, came in with restrictions adding units for affordability. Um, so we've had two developments, each added 15 affordable housing units as a condition on their rezoning. That's partnership, right? They didn't have to do that. Did it make it more appealing to approve those two multifamily units? Absolutely. Um, and that's what it's all about. It's about compromise. Compromise is about when nobody feels like they won. Right. Right. So yeah, let's, let's all be in it together. Yeah. And to that point, uh, another point that I think Mayor Weinbrick or some, someone made last night, one of the council members made uh, in the, in the con- conversation after uh, the public hearing is that, and it may have been Jack talking about the green space and how much, uh, how many, Actually, it might have been you talking about how many square miles of green space we had. Oh, Jennifer. 
Uh, it was Jennifer. Th that's right. It was Jennifer. So um, she was talking about how many square miles we, we have and um, how many miles of greenway we have. And then talked about how many square miles that is publicly held. And it's more than double what the town had. I think it was 3,000 acres. Right. Private. We have a lot of privately held right. green yeah, space as a condition of their yeah. rezoning. Yeah. So I think if we can get the development community 25 years ago wasn't voluntarily doing that. 20 years ago, maybe started a little bit when, you know, Carrie turned the faucet off when Mayor Lang was here. And then now it's voluntarily they're doing that. So you know, let's hope that as we're already seeing with these last two submittals, you said, or at least two recent submittals, that the development community sees and understands that we need that and it's going to help them. It's certainly a consideration when they put it as a condition and something you guys are looking at and the community's looking at. Mm -hmm. So let's hope that the uh, development community jumps on board with that as well. I agree. I, I You know, we, none of us individually can solve this. No. It has to be all hands on deck and everybody's got to give a little. They do. Um, we've got to get everybody on the same page, and that's hard. Mm -hmm. It's really hard. But I think that if there's a rallying, a rallying call, not everybody's going to agree on the on the environment. Not everyone's going to agree on uh, stormwater and trees. I mean, if we can't all agree on affordable housing, then uh, we 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 are we're lost. So let's talk about something fun. Okay. The downtown Cary Park. Oh, I cannot wait. It can't come soon enough, right? I'm excited. Uh, obviously, I live down here. You live on the I other side too. of downtown. Uh, you know, that's another one of those projects that the town takes a lot of heat for from a small group of people. We're spending, what, $68, $69 million. Tell us about how we justify spending that much money in a downtown seven-acre park. The hard thing to consider if you're new to Cary is to, if you hadn't been here five years ago when downtown Cary shut down, or 10, you know, 10, five years ago, yeah, at five o'clock at night, there'd be nobody Nothing, downtown. Right? Nothing. So if you just look at the amount of foot traffic, you just look at the amount of uh, restaurants that are doing really well, MCs, you know, Academy Street Bistro, we have the new esteemed coffee, right? Serendipity. You, you look at the businesses and you see that, that they're doing well. The economic impact justifies it. But then there's more, right? We have one walker, we have the library. So all of these activities have created a sense of place and also put Carrie on the map. So economic impact is really difficult to explain to the average person when you're asking them for money, for bond money, right. for a particular project. So one of the things that we've done recently is we started um, doing studies on any sort of large impact so that people can see or, or large development people can see what is the impact the first one that happened was uh the rogers building that we recently approved we had an economic impact study that showed that it was going to generate more than 62 jobs you know um i forgot it, i think it was like 180 million in economic impact to the surrounding area you know brings people here so that helps us quantify what we're doing since we make data-driven decisions. Right. I think the other thing to be just put it all on the table, sometimes people say, well, you're investing so much in downtown. And that's true. We invested a lot, right? The streetscape, it's nice to walk downtown now. And now it can continue on its own. It's like the sustainability model. You put a little into it, it can continue 
sustain it for the long term. We shouldn't have to continue to invest in it because it will uh, be sustainable over time. Yeah, I will. So I grew up in Holly Springs, mm -hmm. but my grandmother was born on Academy Street in 1899. Wow. My mom's mom. So um, our family, Dr. Templeton was. Who, who had the office on Academy? Yeah. Dr. Templeton, uh, who the street right by our office here is named after him. And, you know, they've got him over in the Page Walker. Yep. Um, Dr. Templeton would have been my great, great uncle. Wow. So our family's roots go back a long way here. Mm -hmm. um, so we would come back uh, to, to downtown Cary frequently um, because my mom had an aunt that lived uh, where I think Ashworth Village is currently. So I say that to say, hey, we've been around here a long time. I remember when there was nothing down here but closed shops, broken windows, and boarded up places, right? Right. It was close to being a blight. It was. It was, um, it, it was not good. Mm -hmm. And... What a lot of people don't understand is that this downtown carry project has, it was approved 21 years ago now, 2001. Mm -hmm. So I think that's where a lot of people fail to understand. They see the cash that's being spent, the money that's being spent by the town today, and that was spent with the carry theater that was spent with uh, the building where uh, pharmacy currently is, mm -hmm. buying that building and, and refurbing that and getting an RFP to put a business in there. Uh, they see these things today, but they don't understand that this has been a process over many, many years. Right. Um, you're right. Those things, along with Bomb Brothers, the pharmacy, pharmacy, the theater, Bomb Brothers, were some of the first successful businesses to be down here in, other than Ashworth. I mean, right. you know, we know Ralph and, right. the, and the drugs, Ashworth Drugs has is, is, you know, been there forever, 1957, I think. Um, but that was the start of this place being revitalized and it was all town money. That's right. And that's okay because that shows to other investors that we are committed, right? And if that's what it does to get other people to say, oh, look, the town invested in this. If they can invest my taxpayer dollars and they feel comfortable about it, then I'm going to do the same. And that's what's happened, right? That's what happened with One Walker Place. That's what happened with the apartments, right? And I think that'll continue to happen as it spreads out, right? As you've noticed and, and said already, we're starting to see things branch, right? Outside of the Chatham Academy corridor, right? right? There's a new um, brewery going in by the other um, roundabout. Circle. Oh, West circle, End. right? Two birds. Two birds, right? Um, which is not very far from me. I'm so yep. excited. Um, right? And and it's even going further down, right? Uh, and I think that's great. That helps that model continue and that investment model continue. Right. And I think what people don't realize is this park is going to be world class. It's oh, yeah. not. I mean, it's an expensive undertaking. But this park's going to be world class. Well, and, and you also have to remember that the, we didn't do this in a vacuum, right? We had right. multiple charrettes. Um, we actually went out and brought people into Town Hall and other and Cary Arts Center and multiple places and asked them, "What do you want in a park?" We actually had the Cary Teen Council, where we have you know a thousand kids participate in the Cary Teen Council. Ask them what they would want to see in a park. So is it too much in a park? That's also something I get from time to time. You know, I don't know. I don't think so. I think we hired some world-class developers to help us with it. Does it have a little bit of something for everyone? Yes. Right. right. It's got the bark bar and the dog area on one side. It's got 
water features and kind of a calming passive side. It's got the kids um, playground over by the library, right? It's got the performance center because that is just who we are. It's also got a, an added jewel box or a ceremony space. Um, and obviously the, you know, removing the fountain back from Bond Park right, <laughs> right now. Um, but we'll have the, you know, the fountain, which continues to be, you know, a real attraction. So I think, yes, it has a little bit for everyone. And I don't think it's too much. It's seven acres. And that was, to be fair, that was a hard decision too, not to actually have the wherewithal to keep it, the right. fortitude to not carve it up. Yeah. Because I mean, you look at the, 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 the private dollars that have been invested by, um, Again, a lot of old school carry people down here. Right. Uh, there, there was a comment recently uh, on one of the uh, on one of the social media sites about uh, all these outsiders coming in and ruining downtown carry. Well, they aren't outsiders. Every project that is being built in downtown carry currently that's approved or under construction is old school carry people. That's right. Um, there is one that's up and it's gone through a few uh, a few changes. Uh, but it's not approved yet. So we don't know if that outside money's coming here yet or not. Mm -hmm. There's some that want to be here. Um, but another another thing that, that takes a lot of heat on social media is the money that the town spent on the Mayton Inn. Mm -hmm. And the Mayton, I think, was a couple of million dollars. But that was that was federal grant money that, um, yeah, we're on the hook for it, uh, I believe. Uh, we mean the taxpayers, the town of Cary. But again, if you look at the private public partnership that was created when we did that and what that hotel has done for downtown it is an activity center uh their wedding's been hosted there the you know the new ownership has done a fantastic job but again the new ownership or some of these same folks that are developing all these other pieces they have a vested interest in making it succeed um but we do take a lot of we, meaning the council and, and the citizens of Cary. Uh, there's a group of people that uh, that doesn't like we spent the money there. Well, there will always be people. You can't spend your time um, looking at the bad. Right. I mean, I'm not saying that we, that there aren't things that we, we have can to do learn from the thing. You have to learn, learn from the mistakes, right? Right. And um, there is there is a vocal group. Is it the mi majority? I don't think so. No. I think it's a vocal minority. And I also appreciate it when they're very constructive because every time we do a development where we get both the positive and the negative, we learn something. Absolutely. You saw that last night in yeah. the affordable housing. Yep. We learn something from everyone and it's worthwhile. It's always better. It is always better, right? Some of the things that I've thought, well, this is never gonna get through. And we have a developer that listens and understands. It's always better. Um, so. Yeah, I I truly think that the engagement of the citizens make carry what it is today. And that's why I think the park is going to be phenomenal. Yeah, I'm excited about that. I totally agree. I think um, I think even with the folks that I don't see things the same way they do when they come with reasonable and rational uh, presentations, we all can learn from it. Uh, and it makes us think. Oh. Yeah. And, and, and a lot of times those ideas are fantastic. I thought uh, Jennifer Robinson last night in, in her uh, in her remarks talked about um, the 1200 square feet is just not enough for the kids to have for a playground there. And can we look at maybe doing some underground water retention, stormwater retention, as opposed to the pond to increase? And that came about because of some of the public hearing comments. Right. Absolutely. So I think that 
Um, nobody's going to get everything they want in that situation. But if we can all walk away feeling like uh, we, we, we didn't win, but we didn't lose. Uh, and, and I think it's a fantastic project. So, Lori, uh, bef- we want to wrap it up here, but before we do, You're sorry, sorry, ask I was, me what I was sleeping. I am. What I miss? <laughs> sorry, Adam. We also do a beer podcast, and Adam gets to talk mostly there, and I just do co- color commentary. <laughs> so, in, in this case, uh, oh, he startled me. Anyway, so uh, the last thing we do is we like to do a little rapid fire. Okay. So we're going to ask you a series of questions and you give a us the series of serious questions, series of serious questions Because everything up until now. It's just been so. Yep. So you just give us, give us the first thing that comes to your mind. All right. First question. Favorite season. Fall. That was quick. You know, North Carolina's got like 12 or 13 seasons. So you, you just fall, fall in season. Fall is the correct answer though. Uh, dark chocolate or milk chocolate. Dark. There, that is the correct answer too. Wayne would Wait, disagree. I disagree. Who likes you? Like Wayne milk likes milk, milk chocolate, like every other eight-year-old I know. That's not real chocolate. <laughs> I don't no. disagree. No. If it's really fine dark chocolate, yes. Give me, give me that bitter and some red wine. I'm happy. Yes. True. All right, Sour Patch Kids or Swedish Fish? Neither. Agreed. But if you had to, like you have to, you really have to. Look, you haven't eaten in three days, <laughs> and you've got a bag of each to get you through the next three. Oh God, really? Swedish I have to choose. Yeah. Swedish fish wow. is the correct answer. Um, but I don't. <laughs> you're a chocolate person, not a, not Thank a you. candy person. Yeah, you real. Know. If you're going to have something. As am I. My son's the opposite. Give yeah. him all like the sugar stuff. That's not me. what he likes. Mm. What is your optimal indoor thermostat setting? Depends on the time of day. <laughs> <laughs> so I, this is going to be horrible, but I sleep at 65 degrees. Okay. Oh, that sounds wonderful. I mean, it's I, about 67, so I can Right. I, I read somewhere that it's the opt. Yeah. Uh, right? The optimal or optimal temperature uh, during the day, 72. Do you also have one of the rings that uh, you put on at night and it measures your uh, you sleep know, patterns? So here's a deep, dark secret that, that everybody's going to know. I think so, yeah. Right? Because I'm a tech gadget girl, yeah. right? I've got an electric blanket that goes on at 10 o'clock to get the cold snap out of my sheets and then goes off so that when I get into bed, it... 10:30. Wow. And I thought I was high maintenance because <laughs> I no, no, you you are don't don't mistake <laughs> someone else's high maintenance to replace yours, right. okay? Well, you even, can both equally be high maintenance in different ways. Because, I don't even have to turn off the lights. I, you know, everything well, you know, everything yeah. in our house is, you know, connected to Alexa. Right. Um so as you as you get in bed, I just say, you know, Alexa, good night, and all the lights go off in the entire house. It's fantastic. Oh, I grew up with the clapper. So, um, so we, no, had, we had it different when I was a kid. On. I was going to say, I thought I was high maintenance because I had to have my bed has to be made every day and it has to be crisp when I rolled sheets back at night. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I want to get into a crisp bed. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. All right. That's just too much information about me. <laughs> do you own a bicycle? I own four. Yeah. How often do you ride and where? So I'm a fair weather rider to be fair. Um, I, I, like I was going to ride here, but I have another meeting after this. So I have, I ride everywhere. I used to have an elf, right? The yeah, organic. I was gonna, you just, so you sold the elf. I just After we built in elf. a place in your garage for your elf and I we know, built right? your house and you sold it. I sold my elf because I realized it was just too much work to get out because I used to ride it like six to eight miles to work, right? Pandemic hit, not running back to work anymore, not going back. Uh, I used to ride it to town hall well for the I generally walk to town hall now. Right. So, or ride my electric bike or jump on my, you know, so what road is an bike. Elf? Uh, it's a, 
it's a three wheel bike with a cab. Yeah. Oh, okay. They were made so out of Durham. So it had a trunk made out of Durham, organic transit. It was a yep. gotcha. Anyway, so I sold I that, but I have that. four. I remember that whole thing now. I have, you know, I have a hybrid, I have a road bike, wow. I have an electric bike, and I have a spare. avid cyclist. Yeah. I considered myself a runner at one point. <laughs> Uh, not Lacrosse so much and Peloton guy. I mean, uh, I'm a stationary. I'm a stationary cyclist. Oh yeah, so Peloton. I have that sucker up. up we'll connect. Yeah. I have my Peloton up. Got nine one nine beer, Adam. Okay. All right. So one of my favorite bumper stickers of all times was, "When I'm driving, I hate runners. When I'm running, I hate cars. But no matter what, I we hate all cyclists." Hate cyclists. <laughs> I know. I've seen that one. I've seen that one. I know. Yeah, I can't, I, I can't win. I mean, that's one. So if you were to ask me what's your next thing you really want to work on, um, separated bike lanes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I was, that, that was separated. perfect. Is that because where you were going? I, I, I was because it is, it makes a difference. It makes a difference for everybody. Yeah. Then there are no excuses. Right. At all. Right. You and have your own spot. Exactly. Just like the people who walk in the middle of the street in the neighborhood and we've got sidewalks on both sides. But that's a Fuquay problem. That's not a carry problems so go on yeah, it happens here you're, too believe you're, you're it happens too. i got cool down what is the lamest dessert someone has ever tried to pass off to you as a dessert besides swedish fish <laughs> no that, that was sustenance <laughs> okay um gosh and it better not be banana pudding oh no no, no. That's, that's something that, like that, jello that's, salad that's not a dessert that's a ritual um the lamest dessert Fruit salad. Yeah. <laughs> Fruit salad was immediately what came to mind when yep. I wrote that question this morning. Fruit, Fruit salad. salad. That is not salad, dessert. Something like that. No, it's not. No, that's nutrition. Favorite sport? To play soccer. Okay. It's also fun to watch. Sure. Um, but I grew up on um, Major League Baseball. So yes. I was favorite. a Cardinal fan all the way. So, yeah. Sure. Watch baseball. Yep. How do you answer your phone? Pre-retirement? Yes. <laughs> it was, this is Lori. That's okay. the way I answered. But now it's I like, act- what do you want? <laughs> now it's what hello. And, <laughs> and I already have an extended Could warranty. Could this be a text? Sorry, yeah. Um, I don't need an extended <laughs> warranty. Thank you. All right. Two more. Um, ask permission or beg forgiveness? Beg forgiveness. Really? You seem so like by the book. Let's do things the right way. Okay. Uh, ask no. It's like forgiveness. Really? Okay. That's great. Because you know that's how I roll. <laughs> <laughs> I am. I am the exact opposite. No, not me. Yeah. Last one. Your favorite thing to do in carry. Oh, it's so hard. Um. Well, since we already talked about biking, the greenways, the anything on the greenways, walking, biking. I wish I were a runner. I would like to be a runner. Carrie's got such a great greenway. We also say we do have some fantastic we have greenways. Miles of greenway, but my favorite ride recently is to get on a bomb park, go all the way to the American Tobacco Trail. I did that recently as well. And did you know there's a bar along the way? What? Oh, do you stop at a little bar? Oh, out there, no. Bottle Theory. Bottle Theory. No, oh, I forgot. Up, it. So it's north. Gotcha. That yeah. makes sense. Now. Yeah. Yeah. I oh, yeah. I'm down in right? Apex. It's, they actually have a cut through right from the Greenway. They have stop. a little sign. Do they have transportation to take you and your bike back home? <laughs> it's, it's literally a no, 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 because if I stop at if I stop at the bar, I mean, I might have to ride my bike home. Uber with a bike rack. Uber. Yeah, I agree. We have an incredible Greenway system. If we could just get the Higgins extension done, we'd be good. 
You know anybody so can help us with that? Some complaints. <laughs> yeah. Before we get uh, too bogged down in Wayne's complaints, we're gonna go ahead and cut this short. Yeah. Lori Bush, thank you so much for thank for coming for on and me. talking about a lot of a lot of great issues going on around here that affect all of us. Thank you for your service. Thank you for uh, for being a part of the town the town council here in Cary. It's um, you know, having people that have your passion. I think all the council does. Mm -hmm. I, they really do. Um, it, it makes carry what it is today. We really appreciate that. Well, I appreciate you guys uh, finding new ways to get to citizens is what I'm all about. So if you have any ideas, let me know. Well, that was a whole lot of fun and a whole lot of info there with council member Lori Bush. Thank you again to her for coming on and really focusing on all the things that are so important to her and what she works so hard for this town to provide. So we hope everyone enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed talking to her. As always, thank you so much for listening. Please make sure you subscribe, make sure you tell your friends, and we look forward to bringing you some more great guests in the coming weeks. You've been listening to Carrie Live, Work, Play. For Adam Eshbaugh and Wayne Holt, I'm Mike Maniscalco. Thanks so much for listening.